When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to United Hour, your one-stop shop for all things Manchester United. I'm your host this week, Nick. And I'm Jimmy. And we're also joined this week by Shane Bluck. Hi there, Shane. Hello. And yeah, Shane is joining us because he was. we're going to be focusing today on everything about the protests, the Glazer Out movement, still talking about the Super League. Um, Normally, obviously, we'd be talking about the big match of the season, Manchester United versus Liverpool. But I'm sure that everybody knows that that match has not happened. And the big focus now is all about, yeah, what is going on in football, football governance and the ownership of our club and everything around that. So Shane was actually at the protest yesterday. Um, I assume that was a good day out for you yesterday, was it, Shane? Yeah, it was nice. Um, I mean, first and foremost, uh, I came up with uh, with a couple of agents from uh, with some of the London Reds. I'm based down here at the moment. So um, so we, we came up and um, had a nice little bit of breakfast and, you know, we're all older lads and it was nice just to, to see each other um, after after such a long time. I think that is one of the things that, you know, there were so many different things going on yesterday that everybody was expecting this kind of some protest. And we'd had a smaller protest the kind of week before. I think there was like two or three thousand. But this one had been a bit more organised. And as he said, people were coming from all around the country. I know you came from down south and I know from all around we had a lot more turning up. Uh, And yeah, there's kind of three angles to it, as I see. There's obviously the Glazer Out movement. That's been something that's been bubbling away for like, you know, 10 15 years now uh, then there's everything that's kicked this off again which is about the Super League and our club wanted to go and join it and uh, you know how it very ended very quickly and then as you said yourself there's this fact that fans have not been at a match for more than a year now uh, you know it was early March 2020 when we had that Manchester derby that was the last time we were all at Old Trafford and so there's been way way overdue a lot of people haven't seen each other they've not had the chance to have a sing song to see their mates so yeah I guess all these three things combined for there to be this massive turnout and uh you know i think estimates are putting it at something like around ten thousand people having showed up at old trafford and then of course there was some people who came at the lowry hotel where the players were as well um i mean i wanted to just get your first-hand view on everything because there's been some different uh, kind of scenarios put out about what actually happened and of course you know that the game was called off because some fans managed to actually get into the ground now yeah you actually being there seeing everything firsthand I wanted to hear like you know how you thought a bit was it a peaceful protest was there people there to cause trouble uh what was your view of all that well I've got I've got quite a unique aspect on it because I got there very early and I went up to the uh to the most house the Man United Supporters Trust and I went up there and um at that time, there was you know there was there was couples walking down, there was dads and lads and things like that, and um, and um, placards were just being handed out and um, and all kinds of things. And it was it's very much a carnival atmosphere, and um, and people arriving, I'd say around about one o'clock 
and there may have been a couple of thousand people. Um, we went down and just have, went down with some of the banners that have been pre-made. Um, and there we just uh, put up around the ground just to fall to opportunities. Obviously, Sky and, 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 um, and the other news channels were there just doing interviews and things like that. Uh, and in the meantime, the crowd grew and grew. Um, and as we were approaching two o'clock, which I think was officially round about the time when um, when the protest was due to start, again it was a carnival, carnival atmosphere. There's a, a few people with uh, with smoke bombs and things like that with smoke going off, but it, it, you know there was nothing lurry with that. It kind of added to the whole carnival. Uh, somebody had found a football and there was a football being hoofed up in the air and people were heading it and cheering, um, and it was all that that kind of atmosphere really. Uh, there are a lot of different banners. What people had, had gone to a great effort to make. There were some absolute crackers there, and some huge banners. Yeah, I saw some of those things um, all around then, social no, media and everything. All the yeah, different yeah, banners, yeah. and it was great to see that and the colours. Yeah. And you know, as I said, the main message that had gone out was that this should be a peaceful protest, and and that's I guess what you were there for, right? Absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm 50 years of age and I'm down with, with a lot of the older boys and things as well. Uh, and, you know, there's a lot of women there, there's a lot of children there. Um, and that, that's how it was. Um, and when I say was, I mean, that, that's how it is really from, from my perspective, because um, then eventually the crowd started, it started swelling the crowd and people were turning up and turning up. And I, very quickly, I think it went from about easily 3,000 to 6,000. Uh, and then people decided they were going to walk down towards uh, the uh, the Munich tunnel. Mm-hmm. Um, as they walked, there was there was a flimsy set of barriers that were set up um, with what looked like about five or six stewards um, on there. Uh, and as the crowd walked towards, it, those stewards had no choice to step aside as the crowd came through. They walked down towards the Munich tunnel, and I, I walked down with them. Uh, there was smoke bombs and there was barriers and things being moved out of the way but there was nothing nothing of any sort of malice nothing at all um and then we walked down um and i could see that the gates were, were closed for the um for the munich tunnel um and all the crowd as i looked behind me i could only see people for as far as i could see and that was right up to the road um from the gates of the tunnel um, so I started to get a little bit concerned because i thought if this crowd all searches forward and those gates are locked um, you know that that that, that could be an issue. Um, there was no sign of any 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 police or anything. Then about six police filed down the side of the crowd, uh, down to my left, and they filed down and they just stood off the crowd quite wisely, so really, um, and just sort in a, an observing position. By that time, some of the younger kids had climbed up onto some of the surrounding roofs and things like that, and were having a bit of a sing song. Again, there was no malice at all. And then, to my surprise, just at the side of where the uh, the gates were, uh, there was two stewards stood in a, in a sunken doorway, uh, and and then that door opened, and another steward came out, uh, and as that door opened, the crowd seized the opportunity to go in, um, and they poured in, and I, I I thought to myself at first, I wondered if they're doing that for the congestion, and they're going to let people go into that door and out to another door, and and filter them on, which I've known happened before at football grounds. Um, and a couple of hundred people poured in and then the doors shut again. Uh, and I wasn't quite sure what had happened. I, I decided that I, I wasn't going to go in there, um, whatever was happening. I thought I would take my chances outside. Uh, but I thought it was strange that that door was open from the inside and the crowd were allowed in through that door. Um, and uh, there was no real police presence except for maybe six police on the other side. Um, and uh, 
then about 10 minutes later, some of the crowd appeared inside the Munich tunnel and came out and climbed over the fence coming out. And I believe at that stage then that some of the fans had gone in mm-hmm. and got on the pitch. Obviously, I didn't know about that. I was outside. Yeah, no, I mean, it's crazy. Like, we were obviously watching a lot of these scenes on TV. I couldn't make it. Um, and seeing what was unfolding, you know, was all quite a shock to everybody around. Uh, you know, nobody was that surprised at the protests because these things had been planned. We'd seen something similar the week before. And even, you know, Arsenal and Liverpool had had their own little protests as well. Um, but yeah. yeah, maybe the size of it was just unexpected. It seemed that the club and the police were like woefully unprepared for the amount of people that kind of turned turned up this day um but you know from from my perspective it's actually great just to see this kind of show of force of the fans to say that uh you know you need to listen to us we cannot be ignored that you know our voice has to be heard and i guess that is like really the main message of what everybody has turned out for over here um you know i would like your your perspective on one thing like you know some people say that this went too far with the match getting called off uh, you know, people ending up on the pitch, and there was also some pictures of some scuffles with police and things like that. Um, yeah. I mean, first and foremost, I think I think you've got to cast it. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm from a security background, and um, I, I've set up some big security operations. Yeah, uh, that's and, actually a very good point to point out because I know you've been involved in all sorts of security things. I even remember back to like yeah. London Olympics and things like that. So yeah, yeah you're I'm not just talking yeah, from a fun yeah. angle. Yeah, and, and I, I thought from the start, I thought just a few stewards on the forecourt. Now, it's, it's a difficult balance because what you don't want is lot of security or, or, or placed around everywhere uh, and, and basically bringing on confrontation. Same as sometimes we see the police will sometimes sit in their vans just off site a little bit, uh, and then if they're required, they'll bring them in. Um, and there was none of that. There was no real police presence. Uh, there was no security presence. Uh, um and it appeared as things started to build up and escalate, there was nobody there really to deal with it. Now, I believe the police brought people in from outside areas later on. Um, but I think that everything was very, very much underestimated by both the club and the police uh, about how big this this protest would be and where it would be. Uh, and and it, basically, they, they were caught with the pants down. Um, and absolutely. Because I think <clears throat> if there was anything like this again, uh, they would have a, a completely different outlook on it, and how that the, they would uh, they would they would deal with the whole crowd situation. That is the thing. Like uh, I've seen as well, some people saying, you know, what are the next steps? Like, are the fans going to come out again and try and stop games from happening? Uh, you know, is this just a one-off? I mean, for you, just you know, personally, I know you obviously don't speak for all fans, and everybody has their own kind of opinions. But for you, you know, where do things go from here now? You know, the fans have shown up. I think it. And the one thing that I actually thought was great, and you might not have seen this because you were obviously there, but on the TV, we had the likes of Gary Neville, Roy Keane, who were actually really supporting the fans and were very positive about what was going on. Whereas, you know, you might think that they would, they would be condemning it, saying this is not right. But no, they said, listen, we totally understand the fans that, you know, it was a step too far, this whole Super League thing. And there's been a lot of things that have been like bubbling up for a long time. And that was basically like the straw that draw, broke the camel's back. And this is the yeah. fan reaction. And even you had Mika Richards, who's obviously connected to City, Jamie Carragher from Liverpool. The only one was Soonis 
from Liverpool who was like, just oh, like, wow. you know, very negative, very anti it. All the others. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He said, where's Pogba and all this? Uh, I'm sure he's behind the whole thing. Um, yeah. But no, yeah, that, I thought that was another good thing to see that most of like the TV and the media were saying, look, we, you know, well, we don't was, condone. And well, welcome on board to, to all of them, you know. And I, I know some of them, it's been difficult for them to say things, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. You know, but, but welcome on board. And now, you know, it's great that, that we've got a media voice as well as just our, our quiet voices ourselves. Um, as far as I'm concerned, 99% of the crowd, very peaceful. Um, we're, we're having a sing song, and it was fantastic. Now, yes, uh, those doors were open. Some people took the opportunities and went in. And I believe later that, that some doors were even kicked open. Um, and, but as far as I'm concerned, you know, I'm 50 years of age. If, if I was there and I was 20 years of age, with that, that youthful exuberance and, and, and passion um, for the club where, where perhaps I fancied a little bit of mischief, I could have been, and I, let's have it right, I would have been uh, one of the people through those doors and I would have been in there misbehaving. Uh, so I'm certainly not going to frown on, on any, of the, uh, any of the people who went through. Um, I fully understand the passion and, and, and why they did it. Um, it. It's not for me at my stage of life. Um, but, but they're certainly not to be frowned on. Uh, the, the, the risk possibly arrest and, and risk even losing the season ticket for the love of the club and, and the cause that's important to them. Um, so, I mean, I will join Tino and, and, and Neville and the rest of them and just say fair play to them, you know, and, and, and the result of what they did. Uh, actually, um, you know, brought the cause even better. No one's saying it's okay for supporters to do criminal damage or trespass. There's also a lot of fans out there who've just had enough and who, who have been peaceful and who have turned up to protest against the owners of Manchester United. And we have to say to them, listen, you're standing up for the, your, your football club. And they have done it peacefully. Nobody's given anyone a thumbs up for throwing bottles or flares, of course not. The reality of it is, you know, what's happened today is because of what happened two weeks ago. It has ignited the Manchester United fan base into life again. They brought them back to life. And it's not just the ones, you know, 15 years ago, there were a lot of Manchester United fans that were upset. I, I, I speak to Manchester United fans around this area a lot, and every single one of them that I speak to is absolutely disgusted with what happened a couple of weeks ago because it wasn't just an attack on their own club. You know, you can, you can absolutely harm yourselves internally. We can deal with that as a family of Manchester United, and you can say, well, OK. But it's just the way in which they behave towards every other... They were leading this. Manchester United were leading this thing two weeks ago. They were leading it, as were Liverpool. And they, they really are the greatest football clubs in this country, the biggest football clubs in this country. And they carry the most responsibility for that and the accountability for that. So what has happened today, yeah, it's because Manchester United fans, you know, don't like the owners and it's ignited them. Um, but I do say what they tried to do a couple of weeks ago was something that was really dangerous for English football and we shouldn't forget that. There might be some Manchester United fans who think that some of the fans here today have gone too far, but generally they'll be behind the principle of why they were here. It's, let's not paint this because of a few idiots or someone threw a can or someone threw a flare up. We, we were stood there when the flare came up, but I'm still almost defending Manchester United fans. Yet one idiot out of the people who come onto the pitch, yes, they shouldn't be but there. They shouldn't be in the pitch in the first place, Jamie, should they? I know, Dave, but let's not, let's not forget what this is. This is against this football club's ownership. You get a few idiots. I'm going back further since when I was a kid and how football fans were treated and how they were portrayed in the media, basically, on the back of a few idiots. 
So w- w- let's th- let's get that right. A lot of Manchester United fans are here today because they're fuming basically how their football club is being run. Now, yeah, should they storm onto a pitch? Should someone t- throw a flare up there? No. But we're talking about thousands of people here today, and it's not just Manchester United fans. We saw Arsenal fans. A few, we saw Chelsea fans trying to stop a game until Peter Cech come out and they dropped out the Super League. I'm sure Liverpool fans will do something similar. I said that on Monday Night Football. Liverpool fans got owners out previously. Now, you do it different ways. I've got Liverpool fans texting me right now saying, well, we never went on the pitch. And that's what I said before. I don't like all this point scoring. And it's not just because it's Manchester United today. We could have been anywhere. And I'd be speaking for any football supporter in this country. And that's why I would always stick with football supporters. Because in the main, they're very good people and they just love their football clubs. And that's what Manchester United have done today. Yeah, and that is the big thing, you know, for me that, all right, I might say, look, we cannot condone if people are like fighting with the police or if like, you know, they're breaking into doors and things like that. It's not something we can condone. But obviously, emotions are running high. And, uh, you know, as I mentioned before, it's not just about these protests. It's like one year since people have had the chance to meet with friends, go to Old Trafford, you know, sing those United songs. So it is that whole like, you know, some people will say it's like 15, you know, more years worth of like anti-Glazer feeling plus that one year versus like lockdown uh, aggravation and frustration and it all was coming out at this one kind of point um, but I think yeah. you know globally of course everybody's even seen this even you know we have a one of our guys who's often on the show here Oshwin's from America and he said even over there it's been like big news front page stuff it's all over the place so it's not even just here you know the message is going across Um, but then you know for me like where does it go from here what do you want to see happen now um, well, I mean, what, what I'd like to see happen is I would like to see basically the, the momentum continue. Um, I don't know the whole legalities of, of where it's at um, and, and what what can be done, but I know the Prime Minister uh, spoke about helping the fans out and, and trying to, to put some sort of legislation in place. I don't know about the legalities of that. Um, I, I mean, what would be delightful if the Glazers said, hang on a minute, we understand now where we're at uh, and we're going to start making proceedings to, to start selling shares over such as, as what as must the, the, the Man United Supporters Trust have put a proposal forward uh, and, and a written letter to Joel to say, no, oh, here's our proposal, will you take it on? Uh, I mean, I, I, I doubt that he's going to read it. Um, and that's the kind of faith that, that I've got in, in them as a, as a, as a fan. Uh, and I'm sure many people wouldn't either. Uh, but, you know, we're making a noise. We're letting them know we're here. Um, and if we, we can if we can keep even making a nuisance for ourselves uh, to, to make sure that, that we're making ourselves heard, then, um, then brilliant, you know, let, let's keep it going. Yeah, no, and I agree with that. And I think, yeah, myself and Jamie, we will go into a bit more detail about what exactly Muster proposing, because I think that's the main kind of fan voice behind this. And what is the point in this? But Must put a very clear proposal out. There's kind of five things they're asking for. And yeah, we will put that out on our social medias, Twitters, and for anybody who's not seen it. And yeah, that for me is the main message. Uh, And as well, it's everything to do with the 50 plus one, the government coming in, and maybe we see something from there. You know, I don't have a of faith in the likes of Boris coming to help us out the football fans but even the fact that it's being talked about that it's being discussed there has already been a big petition which went past the 100,000 mark which means this now has to be debated in parliament Uh, you know even that this just goes over there is a big thing and that's it there's time for change some kind of regulation change we hope we can see and we'll go from there Um, but you know for now Shane I thank you for joining us over here giving us that first hand kind of experience 
hopefully yeah maybe yeah. we'll try and get you on again in like a month's time and see where we're at and how things are progressing and hopefully as well i can get to see you at old trafford after a long long time it's you know we've not managed to do it still waiting yeah. there you know there is vague talk about fans getting in for the last games of the season or something like that uh and i did even see a story today that maybe it might be open for united fans going out to gdansk and i know you're someone who loves those euro away trips which must be another thing you've missed massively on top of all the yeah, games over here yeah yeah i mean if, if that if that pops up and the opportunity to get on it goes uh, then, then i would certainly love to be in gdansk hey, we, we didn't think we'd be seeing another european final so uh yeah we're on, we're on the up yeah all age of the wheel yeah, exactly. And that, you know, that from the one side, I do often see some people got frustrated because this was the first time in ages, of course, there was a match, Man United-Liverpool was supposed to take place. It was the first time in ages that we're ahead of them and we were actually going to be looking down on them and with a pretty good chance of possibly keeping them out of the Champions League. So that's the only, you know, I do see that some people were frustrated that this match didn't happen because we were kind of on the up. But, you know, I personally see this as this is kind of like much bigger than just one football match and what's going on over there uh, absolutely and- absolutely yeah I'm, I'm, I'm always I'm always a glass half full I'd like to think that that match will be rescheduled to the last game of the season Liverpool will need a point to get in the Champions League uh, it'll be a nothing game for us I'm going to go out and smash them 5-0 let's hope let's hope yeah that's going to be the way forward uh, all right thanks very much for joining us there Shane and as I say myself and Jamie are going to delve a bit deeper into some of the details about what's going on over here and yeah I'm sure we'll get you on back again soon enough thanks Jamie cheers Shane all right see you Shane okay bye-bye um so yeah I know Jamie that that's one of the big things is now when is this match going to be replayed and we're recording this the day after on bank holiday monday there was a lot of expectation that this match might actually take place today and i'd even seen that you know some of the bookies had penciled this in for a three o'clock kickoff uh but i guess they're just looking for you know more money coming in um but yeah look where where is this going to fit in the schedule now i'm amazed it didn't take place today just purely because when when the news came through last night that the game had been postponed and even in our private chat when we were all messaging saying, what on earth is going to happen here? We were looking at the fixture lineup, and between, say, Thursday coming, when we've got the second leg of this game against Roma, right up until the end of the season, there isn't really a free time when both ourselves and Liverpool are free. Um, so for that reason, I, I was amazed that there was no news all the way through today that it wasn't going to be rescheduled to say one o'clock, three o'clock, five o'clock this afternoon. Um, and I've went back and had a look at the fixture list again, and I can only see it being the weekend of the 16th. And L- Liverpool at, the, at this moment already have a game against West Brom on that day. But the only thing I can see happening is that that fixture against West Brom for Liverpool gets rescheduled to a midweek game. And then that 16th is the day that we will play Liverpool. That is the only day I can see it being pencilled in because between the Roma game, as I said, on Thursday, it's just not possible. It's going to take place before Thursday. We've then got uh, Premier League fixtures in for the rest of the... uh, Try to think when the last game is. I think it's the 23rd. So right up to that date, there's games in. And the only weekend we've got free is when Liverpool are already playing against West Brom. Mm-hmm. So, short of the West Brom game for Liverpool being rescheduled to midweek and we play that weekend, I genuinely can't see it being put in at any other time. 
Yeah, I mean, I guess there is one precedent for this was that year when we had our game with Bournemouth called off when there was this bomb scare that day and we ended up playing that kind of right at the end of the season after everybody had already finished uh, so I don't know if they'd look at something like that uh, you know obviously I was actually at that game as well that was that was crazy I was at that game and it was, <laughs> right. just, it was such a bizarre thing yeah exactly uh, so yeah look we're still waiting to see when this might be rescheduled for I know there has also been some talk from people saying that you know the club should be punished um, for this match not going ahead. People, There's been people throwing out things about points, deductions, fines and all that. I mean, I don't really know where things stand. I don't know if you've managed to have a look at some of the rules and regs about it. I mean, I know that if fans are in the stadium and something like this has happened, that a club would get punished and said, you know, you're not controlling your fans, things are not secure. But yeah, you know, have you managed to find anything about, about how things might go down about this? Yeah, I found some points because when I was watching the news earlier on this morning just to see if there was any news on the fixture itself being rescheduled, it was kind of clear from the news channels this morning that even they were a bit confused because between the Premier League and the FA, there isn't any real precedent or distinction for an occasion like this. So, for example, according to the Premier League rule K14, each home club is responsible for procuring the safety and secureness of the game to go ahead. So that is from everything regarding the safety of the fans, safety of the stewards, safety of the match officials and those who are televising the game. If for any reason the game doesn't go ahead because the fans, for example, have made it not secure and safe, the possible punishments range from a reprimand, a fee of unlimited amount, a suspension, maybe for a couple of games, or the points that should have been contested during that game being awarded to the team who isn't responsible. So in this case, possibly the points could be awarded to Liverpool and they just scrap the game and just say it's not going to go ahead. However, as I said, that's not really clear in the FA rules, where the FA rules say, yep, the clubs are responsible for their own supporters and they can be punished for any sort of improper, violent, abusive, indecent behaviour, including throwing missiles. And as Graham Stunis so eloquently discussed yesterday with the flare being thrown and the can of beer being thrown, that could come into it there. And the disciplinary charges, according to the FA, could be uh, a warn about the future conduct of the club, a suspension from the game. So again, going back to the game just being scrapped. But they seem to lay it on thicker that it would actually be a fine and the club will be warned about his future conduct. So I think it just comes down to there's been no real precedent for this, certainly in the Premier League era. So it just comes down to, are they going to more come down on the side of the Premier League distinction of the game be scrapped, the points awarded to Liverpool, or a fine? Or is it going to come down on the FA side, where the club is warned about his conduct because there has been incident of fans on the pitch, the fact some of the fans getting involved with the police and they end up just saying, right, clubs warned about his future conduct, they're hit with a heavy fine and as far as punishment goes, that would be it. Because as I said, the difficulty is, as I just said, there is no precedent here. So it really just comes down to are they going to go with what the Premier League rules and punishment says or are they going to go with what the FA rules and punishment say? 
Yeah, so that's something we're going to have to wait and see. I mean, I think the most likely scenario will be some kind of fine for the club. Uh, as I say, it's still not clear. There's conflicting reports about how the fans managed to get into the stadium. The club are saying that, you know, some fans basically broke in, whereas there's other reports from people saying that, you know, maybe doors were opened by stewards. Nobody really knows. And until it all comes out, we have to wait and see. Um, I'm sure this game will get played one way or another. You know, it's too big a match. It is a Essentially, you know, the biggest match in English football. So for TV, global audience, all those kind of things, this game will go ahead because, you know, at the end, money talks and we know how much TV rights and all that are worth nowadays. So it will happen one time or another. And yeah, we want to see it happen. You know, that is the only kind of sad thing that this game didn't actually happen. I was looking forward to us giving Liverpool a beating, keeping them out of the Champions League because, you know, we're on good form, uh, especially after that great Roma win. And yeah, so that is the only sad thing. Uh, you know, there was also, there was the scenes from the actual players' hotel, the Lowry Hotel, where quite a lot of fans turned up at. And the stories are coming out now that the players wanted to come out and talk to the fans. And I think it's actually a shame that they basically weren't allowed to do that. Because I think if they had been allowed to, and they'd had a bit of a chat with some of the people there, I'm sure they would have kind of cleared out and given the chance eventually for the players to kind of move on and for this game to happen. But anyway, I do think it's the fact that fans got into the ground and kind of you know there's all these things about covid secure areas and bubbles and uh things getting contaminated that i think eventually was the reason this game didn't go ahead um but yeah we'll see when the rearrangement comes from there um but yeah i'm sure you were watching it all rooted as i was you know as has it all unfolded it was crazy stuff uh you know trying to watch it all there and as i said to me even though we can't condone some of the scenes we see there, I think the big point that I was glad that Shane kind of reiterated was that the vast majority of fans who were there were there for peaceful protest, just to say either, you know, there's two different kind of angles to it. It's either the people who are like super against the Super League. Then, of course, there's a whole Glazer out protest, which goes back years and years and years. I mean, we're not going to go deep down into the detail of all that today. And maybe we will do on another occasion. But, yeah, I'm sure people know uh, that this goes back all the way to 2005, where the Glazers took over our club originally. Some debt was put onto the club. Um, you know, I remember being worried back then. And I did take a kind of, you know, wait and see approach then and there was times when I was kind of saying look the Glazers are far from the best owners but they're also not the worst and you know under Alex Ferguson he always said he was given enough money we were still winning things and things went all right but more recently we've seen things go downhill um, and yeah there has been a big change you know there has been a big change people say look what is different now than happened back you know in 2010 we had green and gold protests and 2005 we also had you know ended up with some fans leaving and even setting up FC United and that kind of thing and people are saying, look, what's going to be different now? Uh, but there is actually one major difference. And when the Glazers first took over, it was Malcolm Glazer, the father of the family, who came and took over. And he really did not get involved in the club much at all. He left things to Alex Ferguson to deal with the football side of the club and to David Gill to deal with the financial side of the club. And he literally just let them get on with it and said, you do what you want. The big change, obviously, was when Fergie retired back 2013, Gill retired. At the same time, like within a year of that, Malcolm Glazer actually passed away. And since then, it's been his kids, uh, primarily Joel and Avram, who've taken a much more active control in the club. 
and you know it's not been particularly successful really we've obviously seen you know Woodward has been the chief executive he's now saying he's leaving at the end of the year and you know I would say to people that that is the difference we don't know how Joel and Avram and the guys who are now in charge are going to react to this stuff whereas in the past somebody like Malcolm he was not interested in the fans at all maybe we will see something a bit different from these guys and I definitely think it is worth like a go now to see where it can go Uh, and you know we also see the kind of government angle coming in where even though yeah we don't believe that much in how much the likes of Boris Johnson and the Conservative Party might do for fans but if there's enough like things people pushing for this enough interest in it then yeah there will be talks at least going on there and we can see some things coming through Uh, I mean I mentioned that a lot of people say what is the big kind of point behind this and we'll put it out there on social media, Twitter and Facebook and whatever. But if you say the Man United Supporters Trust and anyone who doesn't know them, go and check out their website. They've put out a five point plan at what these protests are about and what they want. So, you know, I'm not going to read the whole thing out, but basically number one is all about saying that there should be engagement between the club and the government-initiated review of football to hopefully kind of bring some kind of change in football government governance. Number two, they want the club to employ independent directors who are there to protect the interests of the club as a football club and not just about the shareholders are looking for profit. Number three, they're talking about they're putting in some kind of share scheme so that fans and other people can come and buy shares in the club and have some more say. And, you know, we did have this situation back in the 90s, early noughties, where we were a publicly listed company. Uh, I remember my father bought shares in the club back then, and we were quite proud that we were shareholders of Manchester United. And, you know, when the Glazers came in, they basically compulsory purchased all these uh, shares and they wasn't any left so yeah we're talking about going back to that kind of scenario and number four they want kind of consultation with season ticket holders and members about any kind of significant changes in the club and you know we're talking basically about things like the super league and huge things like that so you know there has to be consultation with the fans before these things go through and you know number five they're saying there has to be a commitment from the club that any costs from withdrawing from the super league are funded by the glazer family and not by the club and it's been interesting that cronker family over at arsenal have already committed to do this uh you know, there has been stories coming out saying that maybe um, Perez over at Madrid is saying there's clauses where clubs who've left the Super League are going to get punished and things like that. You know, we still have to see all this, how this plays out. And you know, but these are basically the five-step plan that Must are talking about. And I doubt all these things will actually happen. But if there's any movement on any of them, then it means we are going in the right direction and that things are changing and benefiting for fans. And, you know, in particular, I think if you look at number four and five on that list, they're very achievable. You know, it's not there is already a kind of fans forum where the club talk with certain representatives of fans groups and selected season ticket holders every so often. So it's really no reason if the club are talking about things like the Super League or anything like that, that they don't talk to the fans. And, you know, anything about costs and all of coming out this Super League, it would be crazy if the club had to pay for that. That has to go back to the Glazer family. Uh, I mean, yeah, would you have any other different comments on that? No, uh, the interesting one there is, like, as I said, the Cronkies have already committed to the part about if there is any financial 
penalty, if you like, that's, that becomes as a result of leaving the Super League, they've committed to paying it. I think that surely has to just be accepted by the Glazers that they have to pay that. I think if they were to try and try to think of the right expression here, if they were to try and get the club to pay for that, I think that's just a massive slap in the face to the fans again. I also think that if there is any positive change that comes about as a result of the protest, then the protest has worked. And I saw the pundits talking about this yesterday because they were saying that themselves, that look, they're not expecting the Glazers to put the club up for sale tomorrow and somebody come in and buy the club. That, that That's just not realistic at all. But as you said, Malcolm Glazer, he was the one in charge when the original purchase of the club went through. He's no longer there. Edward Wood, he was their stooge, if you like, for the last seven years. He's going at the end of this year. I would be interested to see if the negative attention that is now on the Glazers as a result of the protest yesterday, what effect is that going to have? It may not have any effect, fine, but I would be interested to see if they take it differently than their father would have. And because they are so instrumental in running the club compared to what Malcolm was, I would think that it will have an effect on them. And even if it becomes a thing where the Glazers become far more engaged with the fans, there's far more discussion, there's more understanding on their part in terms of the last seven years, okay, we've, we've won some trophies, but there hasn't been any real success. And if you think about it, a lot of the major decisions made over the last seven years haven't been made by footballing people, if you like. It's been by business businessmen and women trying to make football decisions. And I just think if, at the very least, there's more engagement from the owners and the fan, and they actually start to understand that leave the football side to people that know football. Like you said, Sir Alex Ferguson was in charge of practically everything. David Gill picked up the rest and that was the way it was back then. If if you can get back to that, where the chief exec is a footballing man who understands the game and understands the wants of the fans and engages regularly with the fans and the owners engage far more with the fans, even that would show that the protest has been successful because it's implemented change. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, you know, we don't necessarily, like you say, expect to see the Glazers walk out tomorrow. You know, it's not realistic. Yeah. And, you know, that has always been one of my big things, that anti-Glazer, everything, I understand it completely. But until there's somebody who's ready to come and buy the club from them, then there's there's no other option. They're not going to just hand it over. Uh, you know, there either has to be somebody who comes with that full, we're talking about a valuation of about 4 billion or at least yeah. a decent chunk to be bringing us towards 50 plus one and things like that are talked about. Um, and, you know, like as I said, that is what kind of must are talking about is saying, put more shares back on the market, maybe leaves it open to fans to come in there and maybe fans can bindle their own stake. Maybe we'll have some more fan friendly investors. There are these guys who resurfed as well, who came under the banner of the red Knights many years ago. Um, there's 
Lord Jim O'Neill and a couple of other guys who are quite, you know, heavy hitters in the finance world who are lifelong Manchester United fans. And these are the kind of guys that we're hopeful maybe can come forward and bring some kind of thing there. You know, we see something similar at Arsenal where there's the guy, I can't remember his name, who the owner of Spotify, who's getting yeah, together yeah. with some of like the players and saying, look, we are going to put together the money to buy out Kronka. He's saying he's not interested, but that is what we need. We need somebody either to come forward and say, we've got the money and, you know, we can take this off your hands. And yeah, maybe like I say, even though we knew that Malcolm Glazer was dead set on keeping hold of the club because he knew the value of it, maybe the Suns are not as bothered. We don't know. And we definitely know that some of the Glazer kind of family are not as interested because they have sold their shares over the years. You know, they have sold some of those shares. There is some listed out in USA, um, but not that many. And they're not like the right class of shares. They say they're the non-voting shares. Um, But look, this is something we're definitely going to come back to and discuss in more detail at other points. Uh, As I said, today, we just wanted to put out something about the protest and see what we can do, Um, you know, and we'll obviously, hopefully next time we record, we will have a match to talk about. We didn't this time. (laughs) We're playing uh, Roma on uh, Thursday, which we think will be relatively like, you know, easy, almost job done uh, for going on to the final. So hopefully we'll actually have some football to talk about next time. Um, I wanted to just give a shout out to our sponsors. Uh, Support for United Hour is brought to you today by Manscaped, the best in men's below the waist grooming. Uh, Manscaped have just released their new aftershave to help you feel good and smell good all over at all times. Who knew smelling this good could feel this good too? Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. Join the movement for all your below-the-belt waist grooming needs. And yeah, I know, Jamie, you've been trying some of their stuff uh, and it's been, and yeah, you've been quite impressed, right? Oh yeah, definitely. Everything from the equipment that they sell, the lotions and potions as you like to call them they are all excellent as well and i would thoroughly recommend anybody who hasn't checked manscaped out definitely get onto their website and check out some of their gear yeah head over manscaped.com and use the code united hour for 20 percent off and as usual please do hit us up on twitter Facebook, Instagram, all those kind of things. We will put out some copies of what Must are saying, some of the other things that have been saying by the players. We have actually got, you know, we joined this kind of blackout, so we've not had that much going on over there in the past few days, but we will get back on there to put some of these messages out. Uh, Thanks again to Shane Bluck, who joined us earlier and gave us the first Ken kind of account from the match. And look, as I say, we'll keep updated on everything that's going on around all this. There's a huge amount of things going on in football now let's hope that there is actually some real change that comes through and yeah we will join you on the next show and hopefully like i said we'll have some football to talk about as well and yeah that's good night from me hey trucks sports social podcast network